3: Yes, and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket in the luxurious studios of DMN today with Kevin Sherrington, Barry Horn, and Evan Grant. And on our phone line right now as we are one quarter of the way through the season getting ready for a week five matchup against the Green Bay Packers. It is my co-worker, my friend Bob Sturm, joining us live from Planet hey. Bob. Good morning, Bob.
4: Hey, guys. What's going on? How you doing, dude? I am doing quite well, thank you.
3: Well, we have four games of a sample so far. We've seen inconsistent play, checkerboarding wins and losses, and it feels like the wins are coming against one-dimensional teams and the losses are coming against uh, balanced teams, and you saw that this past weekend with the Rams. And just, uh, just starting off, your thoughts on what is ailing this team that won 13 games so far last season?
4: Well, they're they're having a hard time finding that uh, groove offensively that made them the talk of the league. Uh, they had a uh, they had a powerful rushing attack uh, that uh, mixed in with uh, some great play action behind it. That kind of kind of made their offense very very difficult to defend, and you could never guess right. And they kept you off balance, and they were productive, and that all has uh, kind of hit the wall. Uh, you know, it's 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 not it's not crazy to assume the rest of the league went to work in the off season to try to figure out what would make the Cowboys uncomfortable offensively, but it all starts from there. They ran a whole season last year without ever asking Dak Prescott to have to, you know, make a, uh, uh, you know, quarterback magic happen uh, and, and without ever having to play from behind. And that's just not been the case in the first month. Uh, they've, They've, they've been in some tussles, they've been behind, they've been in third and long, and that's, that's not playing to their strengths, and they, they look out of sorts right now. They went from being one of the most dominant offenses in the NFL to uh, a very average-looking uh, offense. Not horrendous, but uh, right there in the middle of the NFL, which isn't good enough because the defense uh, is also in the very middle or the bottom tier of the NFL, and that's a bad combination.
2: Bob, I'm wondering if uh, one of the things that uh, that uh, Zeke had has made a comment at some point that we've got four plays here, four running plays, and you just you know and you just got to stop us, and then uh, and of course that's that's happened. Uh, I'm wondering, if, are the Cowboys still too simplistic? Do they need to to mix it up a little more? Is it too much to think that they're just going to uh, load up and run over everybody?
4: Well, I mean, you you should certainly hope that that being their strength is still going to be the best way for them to beat you. I mean, uh, there were many of us, uh, and I I was probably leading this charge, that thought it was in in a center running ball in the first round. Uh, The the NFL doesn't do that very often. Centers and guards almost never go in the first round. And running backs, we got away from that too because uh, we just don't think there's enough value there. And the Cowboys said, no, we're going to go – exactly in the other direction. We're going to do guard, center, and running back all the first round. So once you go down that road and you try to reconstruct the 1992 Cowboys again, you kind of figure it out and get it right. So I, I hear a lot of people telling me Dak Prescott isn't Tony Romo. I agree with them. And I hear a lot of people saying the defense could sure be better. And I agree with them too, but... We have to look at where the Cowboys put their investment. They they invested heavily in a power running game that would dominate the game, own the clock, and pretty much uh, hide what uh, the rest of the uh, what the rest of the roster did not have. And and so once they went down that road, I don't know that they can allow opponents to put seven or eight in the box and just say. Uh, okay, now you got to go uh, shotgun and spread it out and uh, be a passing offense with with your basically rookie quarterback. Um, you know they they didn't invest in that. Their their whole offense, their whole roster is built to be this powerful team that they were last year. So I kind of think they're a little ways down the road to just uh, now decide that they're going to go back the other direction and, and and basically try to be the 2009 Saints.
1: So. Bob, it, it sounds like you're basically saying that you're not completely confident that this team has the ability to adjust on the fly. Is that based on personnel, or is that based on philosophy?
4: Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, first, uh, you start with a quarterback who does some things very, very well, but he's not Tony Romo. They, they have different strengths and weaknesses. I think the best comp for Dak Prescott is uh, Russell Wilson. And no matter which Seahawks team you're watching, they've never asked Russell Wilson to throw the ball 50 times in a game. That just uh, they they know that that isn't his strength. Uh, that we need to play to his strengths, which is you know get him in play action, get him rolling out of the pocket, uh, but try to stay out of third and long. And so. Uh, you know, they don't have the personnel to win third and long, but I got news for, for a lot of football fans. There's very few quarterbacks that can win on third and long. I think the best team last year, if you look at every team in the league and say, okay, third and seven or longer, what's the best percentage in football? And I think it was 34%. So uh, that was uh, Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers were both 33 and 34%. So that means they're only succeeding one out of three times on third and long. So the fact that Prescott's more like one out of 5 times down at 20%, that uh you know that that's that's still bad but you know just just know that nobody is converting 7 out of 10 and third and long. So for me, they they got to stay committed to what they're doing and they got to uh make sure that uh, they don't allow opponents to take away Cole Beasley and Jason Witten so easily because that uh, those are the easy throws and then that opens up some other things but I, I get the sense that the coaching staff is a little spooked right now because it's been really, really easy basically since 2014 when they drafted Zach Martin that when they have their starting quarterback, they were destroying the rest of the league. I think the record was 29-6 and six over three seasons when they had their starting quarterback. And that means uh, you know, they were basically the same win percentage as the New England Patriots. That's crazy. So now they're finding a little adversity because they've played a lot of good defenses early, and those defenses do not want the Cowboys to do what they are comfortable doing. And and I, I think you're seeing Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett uh, kind of reach for their security blanket, which for years has been Tony Romo, go make something out of nothing. And uh, that's not working as well with a young quarterback like Prescott.
0: It seems to me that all the, all the finger-pointing after losses, or a lot of the finger-pointing after losses, is directed at the coaching staff. i I'm, I'm hearing more and more people thinking that Jason Garrett got outcoached. Are you buying or selling?
4: well, I, i'm i'm not I'm not a huge fan of him tactically, but we also have to understand that he has some real issues on this roster that aren't going to fix themselves with a coaching decision. So, I, I I will never be buying huge uh, shares of, uh, uh, lots of shares of uh, uh, Jason Garrett because I don't think he's a great in-game coach, and I'm not positive uh, he's, a, he's an, an awesome leader of men in terms of uh, uh, comparing him to other NFL head coaches. That said, they did him no favors with, uh, you know, rookies in your secondary and asking Jalen Smith to play every down when he's clearly not healthy and, uh, you know, kind of kind of building this roster with our offense is so great, we can get by everywhere else. And, and when your offense is great, you look like a genius. When it's not great, there's almost no right decisions. And that's why they, they depend so much on Ezekiel Elliott and this offensive line to be awesome. And they have been awesome so far. I've seen Travis Frederick. I've seen Zach Martin. I've seen Tyron Smith all get beat this year a number of times. And I'll tell you guys, there are years where you didn't see that all year. So, you know, it's it's, it's certainly opponents are playing them differently, but it's also that uh, this offensive line, if they're going to pay their left tackle, center, and right guard more than anybody at their positions in the entire league, they've got to be dominant, and uh, they haven't been dominant so far, and I think that's the bottom line.
3: Bob, let's talk about the defense, if you don't mind, just going to the other side of the football. Sean Lee out. He was sorely missed, especially with Todd Gurley going nuts this past Sunday. You sort of alluded to it. There's so many young players in the secondary. They didn't want to pay some veterans who were, you know, average to slightly above average. But man, it's just so hard to just picture a lot of success when you have Jeff Heath as your starting safety and you have rookies that had soft tissue issues in the in camp, just trying to say, okay, we're going to lean on these guys. And I, I feel like it's a bit of a godsend that you've had Demarcus Lawrence do what he's done with seven and a half sacks so far with a pass rush, sort of out of nowhere.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been unbelievable, there's no doubt. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to get paid handsomely here, uh, whether it's locally or uh, in free agency. I, I assume the Cowboys won't let him walk. But, uh, yeah, when you talk about Jeff Heath, uh, it's a four-year player that they thought was ready to start, and it's pretty clear he's not. Uh, I expect Xavier Woods to take his job uh, very, very quickly. Um, Jalen Smith is the real thing, though, guys, in terms of uh, – A massive issue right now, and and I love the story. Everybody loves Jalen Smith, and everybody's rooting for him. But at some point you have to say, is he being attacked routinely by the opposition? And when Sean Lee wasn't there, uh, it got even worse on Sunday. Uh, So so I think the book is out in the NFL that uh, if you're going to go after the Cowboys, uh, look underneath because they're playing their safeties and their corners so deep that now their linebackers have to defend in space against uh, C.J. Anderson from Denver or uh, Todd Gurley or even tight ends, and uh, that's where they're going. The good news is Green Bay won't have Ty Montgomery, we think, this weekend, so I'm not positive they're going to be able to attack you like uh, the Rams were uh, underneath. But uh, when when they have Jalen Smith out there, they have two choices. They can either run a zone or they can ask him to chase. And the second they ask him to chase, the co- the other quarterback is going there because he just can't move like he needs to, and and so Sean Lee's hamstring, which you know we all know uh, Sean Lee's attendance record has has not been great in his career. It, it feels like their entire defense is dependent on him, uh, not only playing but playing very very well and. And if he's not, there are too many guys that get attacked, and uh, especially in man coverage.
3: Bob, how do we allow the front office in the preseason to tell us that Jalen Smith's going to be a ten-year, <laughs> a ten-year Pro Bowler? I mean, just knowing everything he's gone through injury-wise, and like you said, it's an awesome story. But you couple that with Sean Lee's fragility, and you know, just throughout the defense, be it suspension or lack of talent, how, how do we, <laughs> how do we let the talent evaluators basically tell us that in the preseason, and we just sort of shrug our shoulders and go, oh, okay? Or is that just Jerry being yeah. Jerry? and Stephen being well, Stephen, and, and Cowboy I fans mean, being Cowboy fans. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And, and, and like I said, uh, out of Notre Dame, I love Jalen Smith's game, and I think if he ever gets to that level again, the Cowboys are going to be thrilled. But I also sat there in camp, and I wondered what the rush was. I, 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 I kind of expected them to, to almost start him on uh, injured reserve uh, designated return and get him back uh, like in November, but then, then the Anthony Hitchens injury happened. And once the Hitchens injury happened, uh, it went from Sean Lee, or excuse me, Jalen Smith was going to be on a pitch count, to we're going to need him to play every single down. And, and uh, so maybe what you want to look at is why did the Cowboys, why do they only have five linebackers on their entire roster? Why is Justin Durant unemployed? And then the second they sign him, he's playing more than, uh, you know, like Damian Wilson and some mm-hmm. of these other linebackers that they spent, you know, really good picks on. Damian Wilson's a fourth-round pick. You got to get something out of that, but they're, you know, it's 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 really interesting that they not only did they play Jalen Smith, but once he played uh, reasonably well in the, the first week against New York uh, in limited play, they decided, you know what, let's just play him every snap all the time. And, and they've, he's gone from uh, limited play to overexposed uh, quickly, and it's not getting better; it's getting worse. Uh, teams are now seeing what he can't do, so. Um, I, I really wondered what the rush was, but apparently the Hitchens injury really put that even into fast forward, and they just were ill-prepared to deal with that situation.
2: You know, Bob, one of the problems on defense has been the, the lack of talent. You know, they they poured all the talent onto the offensive side, but uh, they do have a guy in the secondary who uh, they spent a high pick on, and they expected him to be – a terrific player, and of course, now he got uh, Byron Jones was uh, put at corner a lot his rookie year, and so we kind of gave him a grace year for that. Uh, but when is Byron Jones going to live up to what everyone thought he was going to be at safety?
4: Well, you know the problem is that Landon Collins was picked right behind him, and Landon Collins uh. looks like uh, one of the three best safeties in football. So Byron Jones can be decent, but not Landon Collins, and will still feel like he's disappointing. Um I, I say that because I think he's a decent player. I think uh you know he's a NFL starter at his position. He's not being attacked. He'll break up some plays every week and uh you know he's not the best, not even close, but uh but I would I, I would say, you know, he's he's a base hit. How about that? Um I think they need better than that if they're going to invest first round picks in guys like him and Taco Charlton. They need exceptional players to kind of uh, rally and make up the gap that uh, they've given uh, their you know such such a uh, discrepancy in investment uh, to their offense and uh, you know thirty percent of their cap goes to their defense almost none of their first round picks go to their defense so when they do they've got to hit home runs not singles uh, so so I I almost wonder if Jones is better at a corner to be honest but they're so light at safety and I almost feel like they overvalue uh, positional flex. They always talk in the draft about this guy has positional flex. He can play guard or tackle. He can play safety or corner. They love that versatility, but I always say, should we make our picks based on who's the best player at and He has a real obvious position. Uh, Landon Collins can't play corner, but he can be one of the best safeties in football. Should you value that more than saying this guy could play safety in a pinch or corner in a pinch, but he's not awesome at either one of them. So um, They've got a lot of issues. Byron Jones is certainly somewhere on the list, but I would say uh, if they could find if they could get Xavier Woods out there and playing a better safety opposite, I think they'll both end up looking better.
1: All right, I want to go back to something that I very wisely asked last week of our incredible guest Daryl Moose Johnson. Okay, and I, I, we've got a full house in here, and because I like to talk in big glittering generalizations, <laughs> this is what I want to know. The Cowboys now go into a pretty, I think a pretty season-defining stretch here of the next six games, starting with, with Sunday against Green Bay. Played four games here. Which of these four games, Bob, everybody else? I'm confused. Six
0: games, four games. Which
1: of thinking? these four games that they have played to this okay. point is <laughs> the most Dallas Cowboys-revealing game? Which is which game did they display the closest to who this team's real personality and in, in ability is
2: well if you're talking about jekyll and hyde it's the rams i mean they played a great first half and an awful second half but i i
1: mean is that who you believe this team is uh
2: so far yeah, yeah. well a two, you know start <laughs> the giants are owned
0: four. that's it yeah. the, that's their first win denver looked like super bowl champions and then uh, lost to buffalo and then lost to buffalo the arizona that you know you beat arizona and then I, I got Arizona almost lost at home to San Francisco. Yeah, I, 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 San Francisco might be, and, and that's an, an upcoming game that might be better than, yeah. than, than than people think. And, and three, Moose said last three weeks, week weeks, three
1: weeks that don't sleep on the 49ers don't either because they were the one team that looked like something of a cakewalk in that stretch.
0: Yeah, and, and then I, I got to agree with Kevin the, the the Jekyll and Hyde Cowboys. Boy, were they Jekyll and Hyde? Man, Bob, what do you got?
4: Yeah, you know, the Rams seems right to me because it was a super productive offensive day. 440 yards is is pretty nuts, to be honest with you. 30 points is great. Uh, They had uh, a couple big plays. They ran the ball statistically very well. Uh, But then we did see their Achilles heel, which we also kind of saw in the playoffs last year that uh, when they get in uh, specifically passing situations and the opponent is ready for their passing game, uh... they run out of ideas very quickly uh... they have a quarterback who is capable but also extremely cautious and unfortunately cautious is only a positive attribute uh... you know on first and second down on third down sometimes you do gotta let it rip a little bit sometimes you do have to take uh a small window because that's all that's there in the NFL because they got seven guys in pass defense and you only have three receivers out in routes So you're going to be outnumbered. You have to be able to fit the ball in there. Um, So I I think we saw that. And I think we also saw a defense that is uh, somewhat uh, incapable of stopping a balanced, uh, you know, talented offense. And so as you look down the schedule and you see that back-to-back with Kansas City and Atlanta and the ability to basically make every one of your defenders take care of his job, uh, that should frighten you a little bit because uh, the Chiefs are going to absolutely obliterate your linebackers if uh, you know if if that happens. So uh, I would say I would say the Rams game is a pretty good uh, pretty good basis for what you might be looking at. And you might be able to win a lot of those games, but that's kind of what I'm leaning at in the first four.
1: Barry, uh, before you go into your statement, let's just run down that stretch of six games for okay. people that runs up to, to Thanksgiving. People, okay, which is is Green Bay at home this week, then at the Forty ers then go across the country and play at Washington, uh, home against Kansas City, oh. at Atlanta, and then home against Philadelphia. Then you've got the short break, Thanksgiving Day, and then you don't have that long break because you come back and play another Thursday night game a week later. So, Barry, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, I just, I, I'm just thinking, have we overvalued the quarterback, running back, and number one receiver uh, in terms of have we deified them too much when you look around the league, I, I, I well, would, Dez
1: is underachieved at this point. Well, this
0: yes, we know that, but is he underachieved because Dak won't take the risks, or or, but but you look you look at the Rams quarterback, running back, Sammy Watkins. will call him the number one receiver. I'm not sure. I wouldn't rather take those three over the Cowboys.
2: Well, you had something in uh, in your column of the day with the, with what Kurt Warner and Michael Irvin. I said I, I about thought Kurt
0: Dennis. Warner nailed
2: it. Well, I I think it's both of those things. What did Kurt Warner say?
0: What Kurt Warner said is, yes, uh, Dez is good at uh, winning uh, 50-50s, winning jump balls, but you've got to also be able to run routes. And basically he said... Daz is clueless
2: running around. But that 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 is true, and that's been to a, be a premier. And receiver. And that's been a long-standing issue with Daz is the fact that there were only so many things people, they could give him to run, and, and and so he has succeeded despite that. But people have over been willing to overlook his route running. I don't think this. he's in question, it, but I think it goes hand in hand with the fact that, as we know, Dak will not throw the ball. Because he, he's so cautious, he's not going to throw that jump ball. He's not going to throw 50-50 balls. Des like Tony much. Romo would. Right. Tony Romo would do that. And was willing to do that. Now what? Dez, so what? Des has to do now is that he's got to get open. He's got to do a better job of separating right. from the defensive backs. So Dak will throw him the ball. But they, they were not even on the same page. But see, here's the problem. Well, on, but here's part of the Sunday. problem too with Dak. Is that this is all goes hand in hand. This is the one of the reasons why Dak was a fourth round quarter of oh, draft yeah. pick because he's he's not in- incredibly accurate. Carl, a, what do you so Bob, in college.
3: I want to ask Bob if are we seeing the beginning of the end of Des Bryant as a Cowboy? You actor and everything we just said, route running, all that contract, age—is he going to be expendable when other guys have to get paid? Be it I don't know, you pay Zach Martin, you pay Dak in the future. I mean, a year or two from now, are we going to see Des in a different uniform?
4: Well, um, that's an interesting question, and it starts with who exactly uh, is, is the plan to, to fix wide receiver. I mean, uh, if, if he, your number one isn't a number one, then just cutting him uh, puts you in an even worse bind. Um, the, there's no question that his contract is a massive issue right now moving forward because uh, they pay him like Julio Jones. Uh, They pay him like A.J. Green. They pay him like uh, uh, Antonio Brown, and he's not in their class at all. He's just not. Uh, He is a fantastic big play guy, but uh, Julio Jones beats you with ten catches in a game. And, uh, you know, that is a a number of in-breaking, out-breaking routes, verticals, uh, wide receiver screens, and he's a machine that just keeps going. A.J. Green, a very similar, uh, you know, just uh, an all-around wide receiver. Des makes their money, and uh, he just doesn't produce at, at a in, in enough different departments like they do. And I think it really is important to remember the Cowboys restructure literally every contract that is uh, anywhere close to big, and they did not touch his contract last summer, and I thought that was kind of telling, that they wanted at least to be able to consider uh, an exit if if uh, his his lack of productivity in 15 and 16, which by the way were largely due to health, but that's part of playing in the National Football League. Uh, if you're not productive because you're hurt all the time, it really doesn't matter. The fact is you're not productive, and he hasn't been productive since 2014 on a regular basis. He's he's had one good game here and one good game there. In fact, guys. He hasn't had consecutive 100-yard games uh, since 2012. He's only done it once in his career, consecutive 100-yard games. So when you're comparing him to the best receivers in football, I think you have to look at things like that and just say, you know, he's not what we think he is. He's very good at, uh, uh, you know, making big plays and, and having a very attractive personality that everyone seems to enjoy and buy his jersey. But... In terms of just raw production, he's only really had done that once or twice in his career, and that, those were many years ago. So, you know, just overall, I, I, I think but the I Cowboys I, do, need, they do need more at wide receiver. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't know necessarily, though, subtracting Dez gets somebody closer to that. They might be stuck with this contract and then need to draft wide receiver very high in the, in the draft next spring to to enhance that position that doesn't really scare a lot of teams right now.
1: But, I, you know, I, I remember asking this question on the great um, public poll that is Twitter. Uh, I think it was two or three seasons ago of rank A.J. Green, Des Bryant, Julio Jones. And granted, a uh, well, predominant number of our followers on, on Twitter are, are Cowboy-centric. But there was, in their mind, no comparison between Julio Jones and A.J. Green and where Des Bryant was. And I think now, when you, as Bob just made the point... You look at those three guys, and Antonio Bryant, Antonio Brown, I think, is a different kind of receiver. He's certainly not the yeah. the same big physical specimen that those other two guys are. But there's no there is no comp now that Des is certainly a rung below uh, AJ and, and, and Julio Jones. And I think to this other point on in a passing game, Bryce Butler shows you some things occasionally. Terrence Williams shows you some things occasionally. Cole Beasley is a nice kind of slot guy. Do you really have a second, a, a really strong second threat that gives you the ability to get Dez open?
2: Well, that's the, to me. That's the big problem is that there's there's no dynamic. It's know. all it's all on Des, right? Well, it is because you know Jason Witten is you know he's Jason Witten. He's Whitten. a great guy to have on the team, but but you know it's like uh, his it running sa- style is a tree falling. Is it, you know <laughs> it, it's he's catching a ball and he's getting nailed. Is uh, it
0: sacrilegious to, to question his Jason Witten—he's cut t- two
3: receptions, I think, in the last two games. No, I mean, I, you know, I think yeah, like, he had 17 through the first two. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but, I think but, it's, it's more but, of a scheme but, thing, to be honest but, with but
1: you. But, but, I think t- everybody—I t- think everybody t- understands that, he's that Witten yard, is what he
0: is. He's, he's going to catch eight, the ball and get hit and fall
2: down, he, he's and he's yeah. good for eight yards or just getting past the first down. But he's, he's not a threat. But he, there, he, part he, of it to me too is, and Bob, I want to ask you about this: is is just the the routes that they're running? You know, they they never run slants or almost never. Every everything is an out, and so when a guy catches the ball. And he gets nailed. Everything
1: is a cautious route, is right? If, if there's no
2: yards after catch on this team. You know, I don't know what they're, I don't know no. what they're averaging, but there's no yards after catch on this team. And, and to me, it's always unfair to ask a receiver who's running an out catch the ball and now, get this guy to miss you and turn upfield. You know, I just think if, you, if you're running that slant, you're, you've got two steps after you catch it, no matter what the guy's doing.
4: No, they have they have uh, rather stale and predictable route combinations, and it, it it feels it feels like there are portions of the field that we say these are this is where Witten and Beasley play, and uh, parts of the field where uh, the outside guys play, and they never seem to necessarily uh, infringe upon each other's territory. And and trust me, the opponents know this, and so they're 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 rather easy to predict. And it didn't matter in 2016 because they were so darn good at running the ball that uh, passing the ball became, uh, you know, very, very easy because you needed eight guys to stop this running game. And and now, uh, since you can get them in the third and long, you can pretty much uh, uh, anticipate what's going to happen next. And that puts the Cowboys in a real bind because, uh, you know, they, they are not getting yards after catch. They are not getting, uh, you know, any sort of, Separation from their players, and, and they're running a, a very, very predictable number of routes that worked last year, but now I think they need to get into the lab quickly, maybe during the bye week, and uh, figure out uh, what exactly we can show defensive coordinators that we haven't been showing them for, uh, for, for 20 games now straight. Well, Bob,
3: things don't get much easier with your Packers coming in here. I know we're going to let you go in a few, but your team is dinged up right now. Uh, They suffered a lot of injuries, but they still have, I think, 10 days to get ready for this team. And I'm just curious where you're at with the matchup and maybe a thumbnail of the matchups we we should see Sunday. Wait a minute. You're asking Bob,
1: you say in there we've only got a few minutes, and you're asking him to talk about the Packers. He's a pro. He can do
4: this. (laughs) I
3: have all the faith in him.
4: I I think this is a wonderful time to play Green Bay because Green Bay uh, has been playing with, uh, I think the number is, of their eight biggest contracts, they have had six of those players hurt for an extended amount of time already. The other two are Aaron Rodgers and a rather washed-up Clay Matthews. And so the other six players have all missed uh, a a significant amount of time when they played the Falcons in Week 2, they were playing without uh, uh, Jordy Nelson, Mike Daniels, uh, Bakhtiari, and Balaga. They're both their tackles, uh, and, and both their tackles, by the way, are are Pro Bowl guys who make uh, huge amounts of money. Uh, so, so they're playing right now. Uh, they they just lost Devonte Adams and Ty Montgomery, mm-hmm. and uh, they have been playing without Randall Cobb and uh, Nick Perry broke his arm, uh, his his hand. So they six of their best eight players have been unavailable. Some of them may be able to go on Sunday. I don't know, but this is not the Packers that you played in January. Although in January, they didn't have Jordy Nelson either. Uh, But uh, I I think no time Montgomery really puts the Cowboys linebackers at ease a little bit more. And, yeah, they still have Aaron Rodgers, and he's still really good, but now he can't do what makes him so dangerous, which is stay back there all day in the pocket and uh, pick his spots. He has to get the ball out, or he's going to get ear-holed and uh, that's not pleasant uh, if you're the franchise quarterback, so I, th- I think Green Bay is ecstatic that they're 3-1. Uh, I think part of it is because they've got to play three home games, and uh, the Bengals and the Bears were nice enough to, to come to town, but uh, but I-, I think Green Bay is just trying to survive these injuries and then and- and make it to the later part of the season where they generally hit the gas, so Uh, This this is probably a really solid time to play Green Bay, and uh, I I think the Cowboys get healthy going into the bye week.
0: Bob, I need a two-word answer here because Evan is dying to go. go. Uh, A two-word answer. Which team wins the game Sunday? It's a hint there. Two words.
4: Dallas Cowboys?
0: I thought you were going to say Green Bay. (laughs) Well, once again, uh, you're wrong,
4: Peter. Got to shoot straight with you guys.
3: All righty, Bob. I know you got a pre-show meeting to attend. We can hear you on Bad Radio noon to three, and we can also read Bob in the morning news, guys. For decoding Linehan and decoding Marinelli. Very, very fine work, Bob. Thanks for the time today.
1: Hey, Bob. Say Hi. something mean to Dan today, okay? Thanks.
4: I I will try. See you guys. Bye All bye. Take care.
3: There he goes. Bob there Stern. Goes Bob. He's got anything coworker? to add, Kevin? Did I think you?
2: to add to that, uh, no, I think it's. Uh, I think this is. Uh, it, it's interesting to me when I and I said asked that question about being if they're being too simplistic. Part of the deal is is that you know what happened. To, I'm not asking them not to lose their identity. I mean they they're a running team. But course. I think they I think you I
1: think your underlying message is pretty clear. And I think you even made this last year that they're they are a cautious team. Yes,
3: they're very cautious. They're cautious
1: they're. in. They're play-calling, they're cautious,
3: and, and they're... They have a cautious coach and a cautious quarterback. Should they go back to making their quarterback make cautious decisions, though? I feel like, the really, this year the playbook's opened up for him, and maybe that's just a little bit too much for Dak at this point in his career. Because last be. year, they, they were basically saying, OK, you're going to work this side of the field, you're going to make this one read, you're going to throw it to one of these two guys. Now you're seeing more of a... Romo-ish type offense with Dak Prescott at the helm. And I think that's, like you said, getting away from the identity. Well, but I
1: I do also think that if if Dak is going to grow into a a full-fledged quarterback, that as he transitions into... More of a risk taker. Mm-hmm. There's going to be
3: some trial and error. Well, but and that was bound to happen. <laughs> but Luckily. listen to the list you just—the six games you just rattled right. off a few minutes ago. And, and you, this, you can't take me, too many chances when you're going up against opponents like that, or you're going to get sunk in this division.
1: And so that may very well lead to the fact that this is not going to be the kind of season that the Cowboys expected this to be.
2: No, not if your offense. You know, your team's success is built all around your offense. You realize it, nobody's
3: it, won back to back NFC East since 2004. It, 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 yeah, which is just bonkers. So I guess this shouldn't shock too many people if the Cowboys struggle. No, and
0: the first place schedule is a giant factor. It's here. A gi- the schedule is a much more difficult fa- factor here, but also the Redskins are a pretty darn good team, dude.
3: The they Eagles just
0: lost last night, dude.
2: Yeah, they lost, but they man. lost.
0: They might have lost to the best team in in, in the football, NFL in football right now. Yeah, huh? so but the Redskins are a pretty good team. And the Eagles are, pr- are well. They're pretty are all good teams. teams. That's what it's don't to be the... I don't know about the Giants. I don't know about the Giants. that's it's why it's be the, the best football league in the in the division. world. Barry. Division, It's also the best division in the world. Yeah. The, the wackiest, craziest NFC East. Best did... division in the world? Oh, could be. It's the most most about competitive. It. That's
1: because every team is either eight and eight, nine and seven, or seven and nine. Because they play each other twice a year, and they get the most yeah. media
3: attention. Yeah, they oh, do because that. they're the
0: the first, fourth, fifth, and seventh. Yep. Largest markets in the country. Exactly. They do do that, mm-hmm. Kevin. What do you got?
1: I I want to hear from
0: you, Kevin. What
2: else do we What else do we have on our podcast
1: this week? Oh man, we have got a great Rangers podcast coming up, and you know why? Why is that? Cause I'm going to talk a lot. Wow.
3: <laughs> um, and we're going to talk uh, college football too, right? Yeah, uh, and I'm going to so. talk a lot on that too. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia Bulldogs ranked fifth.
1: Georgia Bulldogs are ranked fifth, but you know what? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about TCU. Yeah. Kevin's got a purple shirt on today, so I'm a purple
2: shirt on. There we go. Kevin's got and an inside source
0: on TCU. I got an inside. I, s-
2: uh, I got an inside, and we're going to put him on the podcast. We're going to clear it first. With Gary Patterson, but I got an inside source that we're going to put on the podcast. Oh I'm wow, sure. I, I didn't realize. This really good. It's, stuff. it's a good
0: thing Kevin has children.
2: That's all. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again to Kevin. Bob's none term. of your children go to TCU though. Oh, uh,
2: no, it's, it's it's a good story. Oh, I you. I know this story. They have okay. roommates. Yeah. They do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they and, do. and they have their roommates have parents.
3: That's right. Thanks to Bob who joined us for a good half hour there. Thanks to uh, everybody listening out there. Be sure to download, be sure to favorite, be sure to uh, share this on social media. Like uh, Evan said, we got a Rangers podcast and a college football podcast this week. So for Evan, for Barry, and for Kevin, and of course Bob, I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket. We'll talk to you next week as we talk more Cowboys on the Ballsy Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast.